Welcome to the official second episode of the Banquet Hall podcast. Uh, for those of y'all who tune into Natural Nonsense, y'all recognize the voice maybe, but I am joined by the one, the only, the hyphy doc. Cameron, welcome to the mic. <laughs> What's good, brother? It's nice to be on, doing your thing, all your pods. I'm like, dude, Kyler just about to have like 10 podcasts by next year. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to start a media empire over here. Um, before Cam and I started record, recording, I was just talking about, I get tired of hearing about Kanye and Kyrie. It's time to talk about Kyler. <laughs> uh we we, yeah. we here we are here um it was also funny before we started recording because as i was preparing for this podcast i was like you know what cameron gonna come on this camera he's gonna have on i thought she's gonna have on a steph curry jersey have like it's the warriors right trophy now. in the background i was right i was like you know what let me find the lakers background let me put on the lakers shirt and lo and behold you got you repping oakland you repping the bay area in the background See, because I knew I knew you was I knew you was gonna have some Lakers stuff, and I was like, because you know we get into it, we'll talk about all that, you know, Lakers Warriors stuff. But I was like, I know this dude Kyler about to come on with some type of purple and gold, so I'm like, all right, I can't just let him dominate like that. Got to keep some balance, you know. Yeah, I I was prepared though. I was prepared. I was like, we might be we might be going to war on the podcast, like very passive aggressively. I mess around, pull out a trophy. You pull out a trophy. We pull out jerseys, and we we be lit. It's all good. Hey, we got three wins to y'all too. So not that that's saying much, but <laughs> we gonna get there. This is like this is why I wanted to have you on the podcast early because both the Lakers and the Warriors are struggling. It's, it's rough out here, but we. We're going to get to the Warriors in a second, but first I yeah. want to just talk about like your love for the Bay Area. Like, I think one of the things that I knew coming into college, like being at UCSD, once I met y'all folks from the Bay, I was like, oh, y'all love being from the Bay Area. <laughs> like, it is part of y'all's identity and I, I respect it fully. Like, and so I just wanted to hear from the hyphy doc himself. How does it feel like representing the Bay Area, being from the Bay Area? What does that mean to you? Man, so like you said, I'm very prideful of being from the Bay. And I don't feel like that really came out of me until I left, you know, because you, you're from where you're from and you don't like people in the Bay don't really like talk about being from the Bay. But it's like once I left that bubble and I really did feel like the Bay is like a bubble. Um, it was very apparent that the people are different. And I don't know, for me, I feel like some of the people in the, a lot of the people in the Bay Area are just like some of the most chill, down to earth people, always down to have some fun, just trying to live life to the fullest, you know, I grew up in like the hyphy movement era, you know, listen to Pac and Too Short and all these like artists and yeah, man, I don't know, I just feel like the culture is very vibrant, the diversity is crazy, you know, when I got to UC San Diego, it was like, man, I'm used to seeing, I got homies of like all different like nations and ethnicities and immigrants, people from different mm -hmm. countries. Like that was the norm for me, you know? Um, and that's kind of like what I grew up seeing around in the Bay Area. Like I'm black and Filipino, like, you know, my, my dad's black, mom's black and Filipino and all of my cousins are mixed, you know? So I think just that diversity, the fun you know the energy that mm -hmm. bay area people i feel like bring um is second to none and of course i'm biased but i don't know you know we we live in a hyphy lifestyle just trying to be bring energy and 
life and live life to the fullest in like everything that we do. And also like we didn't have no ethnic studies classes. We didn't have no sociology classes growing up. But everyone in the Bay is like pretty in tune with just how to treat people, you know, like granted everywhere in America is got problems, got problematic yeah. people. And I'm not saying the Bay is perfect, but I don't know. In general, I didn't I didn't really grow up around racism. I didn't really grow up around a lot of stuff like that. So I don't know. And I think that just fit my identity like very well. So, you know, I got my little Bay Area thing. I actually bought this when I was in San Diego. Um, mm. And I always had it like in my room and in my dorms because I don't know, it just made me feel at home. So yeah, I love the Bay. I'm, you know, glad to be back closer because I'm in SAC right now, but you know, it's not too far. Um, and yeah, I was I was gone for seven years, bro. So Dang. seven years being out town, it really makes you like appreciate. And I didn't just have access to just like you know, like I can just drive back to LA or something like that. Like if I'm gonna drive back to the Bay, it's like eight hours. So I had to find ways to really like embrace, you know, being from the Bay. And I don't know, I just I just enjoy it. And when I met people when outside, I'm like, mm-hmm. it was it's very like easy to connect with people. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I had a feeling, you know. Or people would ask me, like, are you from the Bay? I'm like, how did you know? They're like, oh, Bay people are different. I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't know. <laughs> y'all Bay are a little different. Day. Y'all, y'all a little we different. Are, we are. It's not a bad thing, though. Like, I think not that's something to be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Y'all should definitely be proud of that. And not to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I have this debate with a lot of people who claim to be from the Bay or different parts of the Bay. So I want you to give on this podcast what what constitutes the Bay Area, like how far south we go in, <laughs> how far north we go in, because I have some friends from certain cities and I'm not going to bias your answer. I'll give the cities later, but they're from certain cities. Like, no, nah, that's the Bay. And me being from L.A., I'm like, no, nah, I don't I wouldn't consider that the Bay because I know mm-hmm. a lot of people from the Bay Area. So what what do you define as the Bay Area? What do I define? Um, I feel like even people out here, you know, it's it's always like a topic of discussion, you know. Um, me being from Hayward, so I'm from Hayward, California. Mm-hmm. It literally is like the center of the Bay Area. You know, I got like, we got two bridges. You got one can go to SF. We got Oakland. We got San Jose, like all surrounded by us. So I consider Hayward to kind of be like the center, you know, like the heart of the Bay. But in a very simplistic way that doesn't encompass everything, but in very yeah. simplistic way. If you can get there by a BART, then it's definitely in the Bay. Okay. You know, BART takes you pretty far. Um, you can get to like Milpitas going south. I would say like San Jose, you know, that's kind of getting towards like your border of like to South Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got the whole SF side. like Yeah, of course. Which, it's essentially like anything that's touching the Bay Area water is part of the Bay. That also goes to like, you know, Vallejo and a lot more like Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that's kind of how I would describe it. I don't even know like the exact city borders. But yeah. If you had like, if you wanted to like know like a rough estimate, like look at the BART map. And okay. That'll kind of like give you like a starting place and then you know all the all the borders are kind of like uh give give or take it depends like you know i think it really depends on like the person Um, okay so let me ask you people yeah so is santa cruz part of the bay area no 
see thank you no. i have a friend <laughs> i have a friend who grew up in santa cruz and she's like santa cruz is the bay i'm like no it's not no she's like, you from la i'm like no i i have no. friends from the bay no disrespect to any santa cruz nah. people but i don't know i feel like people from the bay if you ask them like that question they're not even gonna like entertain it they're like no because that's I'm near monterey bay. <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah so no shade to my homie, but I just wanted to get a picture of somebody <laughs> from the Bay Area uh, on a podcast of where the Bay Area is and where the Bay Area isn't. But I feel like I just really relate to that because being from Los Angeles, Los Angeles is a big ass county. So people mm-hmm. really be trying to sneak into the county lines and be like, yeah, I'm from L.A. And it's like, bro, it'll take you three hours to get to my grandma's yeah. house. You're you not from L.A. Um, it's tough because then people in like the borders and kind of on the outskirts they don't really got like ain't nobody like yeah i'm from santa cruz like no one's saying that (laughs) like so it's like and i'm not even they're not gonna be like i'm like central valley or nothing like that so the bay is kind of like the closest so i don't i don't blame people you know you kind of gotta associate with something but yeah it's just my two cents i'm not the professional so no of course i just ask your opinion because you the yeah. Bay Area rep on the podcast, but yeah. I, I I encourage anybody just rep where you from, like put wherever you from on the map. Like yeah. I think that's that's what's dope. Like whether you're from Carson, Long Beach, whether you're from uh, San Jose, Seaside, wherever you at, like just, mm-hmm. just rep your city. Yeah, be proud. They, they know when I went to San Diego, don't nobody know what Hayward was or where Hayward was, but I guarantee you. After my seven years there, a lot more people know where Hayward is. And oh, absolutely. Like, oh, you from Hayward? Oh, I got a homie from Hayward. No, literally, that's that's exactly what happened because in undergrad, I did this Black at UCSD documentary, and I was asking all the Black students where they're from, and you were like, oh, I'm from Hayward, California. And I was like, i never even heard of Hayward, never been to Hayward. <laughs> but the moment I started working for admissions and had to go to schools in Hayward, I'm like, oh, Cam from Hayward. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this city has more meaning to me. And every time I think of Hayward, you're the number one person I think of. So yeah. shout out to you for repping Hayward. That's right. Got to get you a Hayward uh, hoodie, though. You know, I grew up wearing like Hayward, Haystack, like everything, you know. So I'm like, yeah, that's not something I feel like I gotta like rep. You know, this is my warrior my warrior shirt. So yeah, and that's, I'd rather just that, talk about it. <laughs> and that's a good segue to talk about your sports <laughs> fandom. So I promise this isn't gonna be an hour-long basketball podcast, but <laughs> I feel like I'm doing the people a disservice if we don't just talk a little bit about our sports fandom. Uh, as we've mentioned, I'm a Lakers fan. If y'all couldn't tell, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast couldn't tell unless you just never seen me before in your life. Uh, Cameron is a diehard Warriors fan and like an actual Warriors fan, though, like down with the bandwagon, down with the team. Like I'm Cameron is a certified Warriors fan. You get that certified stamp. So um, just in general, what does your Warriors fandom mean to you? Like, what does sports like fandom mean to you? Just curious, like, what are your thoughts on like just being a fan of these Oakland teams? Um, so one thing about being from the Bay is that people really take sports like really seriously. Like we talking about we gonna have a party for a Warriors game before we have a party for a cousin's birthday. <laughs> that's real. like the family like getting together to uh, you know watch a warriors playoff game 
quicker than you know we trying to go to someone's like graduation a lot of times like people take like basketball especially like very serious and um I'm also like a Niners fan and a Giants fan because my parents are from SF so they raised me like that but Warriors is kind of like it kind of brings everybody in the Bay together because we were in SF before then we was in Oakland at Oracle now we're back in SF so like all sports aside like everybody's pretty much like a Warriors fan Mm -hmm. right and I come from like a basketball family. Like my dad was like very into basketball. He didn't really like get nowhere with basketball, but as far as his passion for it, um, that was my first love as far as the sport, playing it. And yeah, he really like instilled in me that, you know, because when I was growing up, the Warriors was trash. <laughs> Like, we was, like, yeah. down bad. Like, they was, like, we was getting free tickets to the game because they just trying to fill the seats. Right. You know? And people turn it down, like, free tickets sometimes, you know. But even then, like, you know, we getting the $15, $20 tickets to sit up in the nosebleeds. I remember, like, being, like, second grade, like, third grade going to the Oracle or at the time it was just the Coliseum and mm-hmm. um, going to these games. And, you know, I... My dad, before we can, like, speak in full sentences, we had, like, Warriors jerseys, <laughs> you know? So I just feel like being a Warriors fan is really, like, a part of my identity because it kind of encompasses, like, where I'm from. It encompasses my passion for basketball. And it also encompasses my love for family because my family, like, bonds a lot over, like, watching Warriors games and whatnot. So, yeah, I just think that... Warriors blood is just deep. It's rooted in my family. And yeah, that's all I've ever known. You know, I I don't know anybody, you know, in my fam or friends that don't go hard for the Warriors. And I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, like we watch like some games. No, like they die hard. Like, no, like people know all the players on the team. We know the coaches, people being critical of the front office. We watching the drafts, like all of that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where that comes from. But yeah, we've come a long way, man. You know, like a long, long way. About, oh, you just a bad wagoner. I just like smile. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You you really <laughs> don't know. Like, I'm gonna just let you go ahead and believe that because I don't gotta explain myself. Nah, precisely. I don't think anyone could ever accuse you of being a bandwagon because I know you was rooting for you were rooting for Andres Beatrice as much yeah, as you were for Draymond Green. I still Green. got my my orange Beatrice little bag that I got for free at a Warriors game. I, that's my like bag that I take to like go hoop out here and sag. And they'd be like, "Oh, you like a, a real fan? You got." A, Beatrice or some people be like, "What? Who's that player?" I'm like, "Oh, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know." <laughs> Man, but I I think it's just a beautiful thing when you root for a team that's been like not good at all and not really winning. And you finally get like that first playoff series when like the We Believe Mm -hmm. Warriors and then you end up getting a championship and then you Mm -hmm. end up like having the all time winningest season. Like it's just really cool to just see your team like evolve over time. Like, of course, I've most of my adult life. spoiled y'all lakers are spoiled y'all been you, good you couldn't even let me set man, it up no i couldn't i'm a little bitter man <laughs> no I'll, I'll own that lakers fans we are the most spoiled at least in basketball we're for sure the most spoiled mm. but yeah man because when i tell you that two years without a championship feels like a lifetime yeah 
it definitely feels like a lifetime. <laughs> but you have people who are fans of teams like, I don't know, the Sacramento Kings, who they ain't even sniffed the playoffs in dozens of years. Like, yeah, we yeah. we spoiled, but hey, that's part of that's part of the purple and gold brand. We we spoil, we yeah. Los Angeles, it's Hollywood nights. Um, Hollywood. I love it though. I mean, hey, we you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I respect it though. Like I said, like you said, like you were definitely a a Laker, a true, true Laker fan. You know what I mean? Because like you get a lot of people in Hollywood, they're like, oh, I'm just gonna like buy it. There's a buy lot a jersey of jersey real fans. quick for <laughs> for the post and celebrities and stuff, but there's a lot of like real ones too, like you like yourself and a lot of celebrities. So yeah, yeah. I nothing but respect for the Laker fandom. Um, I don't know about nothing but respect because Cameron, you the first person to be texting me as soon as the Lakers lost in the playoffs, get a text message from Cameron like <laughs> <laughs> that one got nothing to do with respect. Like I was talking my shit. <laughs> you nah, Kyler no, he Kyler no, he go like if the Lakers don't make playoffs or if something happens. He can just expect a text from me. I'm just like sending just some eyes emojis. Like, yeah, what happened, bro? Be pissing me off. I remember in the saw uh, in the wound. <laughs> yeah, because I remember in the bubble. Because I ain't even. I don't even know when's the last time I've seen you in person. But it feels like I've talked to you all the time. Because in the bubble, when the Lakers was competing, the Heat was competing. All of a sudden, me, you, and Andre group chat pop off every <laughs> every half of play. Just Cameron sending three eyeballs. Like, oh, who gonna win this game? Yeah. Who got the next game? Instigating. Just instigating. <laughs> I had to keep myself entertained, man. We was that was a rough year for us. <laughs> I love it though. I feel like that's what I really love about sports is the playfulness that comes with the shit talking, like the camaraderie, because it's just like, yeah, like when a Warriors on TV, I'm like, oh, like I know Cam lit or I know Cam pissed off. Every time the Warriors mm-hmm. lost so far this season, I text like, you sure you don't want to trade Clay for Westbrook real quick? <laughs> oh man, it's fun though. Like people don't get it. It's it's all fun. Like it brings joy like into life. Like if you ain't got a sports team to root for, like fuck it. Like just pick a team and just yeah. just go hard for them. It's gonna be some ups and downs, but it, I don't know. I love sports. It brings a lot of joy into my life. So and love I love people that love sports as much as I love it too. So yeah. Exactly. But like I mentioned, our sports teams are not doing well right now. So <laughs> we don't gotta talk too much about it because I would love to also talk mess about the Giants, but you saw what the Dodgers did. Mm-hmm. Oof. But I mean the Giants did have to send an apology letter to their fans on Twitter for the way the season went. Yeah, that was yeah, it's all good. We we're gonna get some nice players this offseason. I'm excited. Yeah, we'll we'll have a, a full we should have like a sports roundtable. Like just bring a bunch of different sports fans on the podcast. Sign me up. I got you. You'll you'll definitely get that first invitation. <laughs> but I want to transition a little bit and talk about college because of course uh, that's where our paths first crossed at UC mm-hmm. San Diego, as we talked a little bit earlier. So I'm just curious, can you walk me through like how you decided to come to UCSD? Like what was that process like for you? I honestly didn't really know nothing about UCSD when I was applying to <laughs> I like everyone knows San Diego State, but I was like, there's a UC in San Diego? Oh, snap. Like, did they just open up? And I'm like, no, they've been around. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and honestly, my whole thing with applying to colleges was as much as I loved Bay, none of my family, none of the people I knew has ever left. Mm. All my homies have all kind of like stayed. You know, it was very few of us that 
kind of dipped and explored somewhere else. Um, and I was just ready. I was like, man, like, I'm trying to like just dip. I'm trying to go somewhere. I definitely want to stay in Cali. I don't know if I'm ready to leave Cali, but San Diego is pretty far away. I heard they got some nice weather. It's close to Mexico, so they got some bomb food. Yeah. And yeah, honestly, that's kind of like why I applied to San Diego schools because of just the weather. You know, I'm like, they got peaches and all this stuff. So <laughs> let me just apply. I got into UCSD and San Diego State. Those are like the two best schools that I was interested in that I got into. And I went to go visit. And everyone in my family was telling me, like, why would you go to UC San Diego? Like, go to San Diego State. Like, that's that's where it's at. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Someone's telling me that I should go to UC San Diego. And I visited both places. Um and I felt, you know, I was like a, I was like straight A student, like always on like honor roll, take AP classes, you know, that one, that one black dude and all the, all the smart classes. Hey, that was me too. That was um, me too. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt like inside was telling me like, kind of like, you got to like challenge yourself. Cause I didn't feel like I challenged myself a lot in high school. Um, and no one was challenging me. I was just kind of coasting, but everyone I knew, everything I knew was like, San Diego, San Diego State, part of school, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, heck, torn. And then I finally talked to like one of my big sisters, um, family friend, and she went to UCLA and she got a homie that went to UC San Diego. She's like, can't, like, I'm not going to try to sway you, but I'm going to just tell you, you, you should go to UC San Diego. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to challenge you in ways that you probably will never be challenged. I have no doubt you would have the time of your life at San Diego State, but she's like, I be at UCLA and I still have the time of my life. We be at Cal State LA, like turning up, you know, we go out, like just go for like the experience that is going to challenge you the most and allow you to grow the most. And I literally like broke down trying to decide because all Mm -hmm. my parents, my siblings were like, we would go to San Diego State. And I'm like, I feel like I should go to UC San Diego. And then I visited beautiful campus mm-hmm. right next to the beach mm-hmm. i went during like spring break so there wasn't really a whole lot of people there um and i was just like f it i'm gonna just i'm gonna just go here i just i just have a feeling that i'm gonna get more out of what i'm looking for in college experience which is just like the whole i want the whole experience i want to be struggling academically i want to truly be like on my own um and i want to like meet a lot of people and UC San Diego just as a campus just felt big. Yeah, it's just like its own hell. bubble. It's heck of big, you know. They got like little forests in the middle of the campus. You can walk to the beach. It's just in a nice La Jolla area. La Jolla is a whole another story, <laughs> but UC San Diego campus itself, you know, I just felt like this is kind of like what I imagined in like college, mm-hmm. you know, versus like San Diego State is a little smaller. It had the rep, but I don't know. And then I ended up choosing UC San Diego and the rest is history. I'm so glad I made that choice because, you know, I met people like you. I grew. I was like shocked, culture shock. I was sad. I was like, it was, I went through it like in so many different ways, but it led me to where I am now. So I have no complaints and, you know, yeah, everything worked out. Hey, that's real. That's really real. I'm uh admissions probably going to try to buy that little segment off of me or how you're just talking about UCSD. Um, no, but... like admissions. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Not you saying that about my old job. No, just... 
Um, but I think that's a that story really resonates with me. And I think it's a story a lot of black students share where it was like you've opened a UC app, you're like, all right, let's see. Like I know UCLA, UC Berkeley is like, wait, San Diego. Then you start doing mm -hmm. some research. It's like, well, I could be in San Diego because that's that's what happened to me. I'm like, yeah, why not just throw to San Diego one out there? San Diego's a cool city. And then, like you said, I visited the campus and it was like, oh, like that's the ocean looking like that like i could just be here for four years with the with the ocean just looking like that i could catch this like, every day <laughs> I felt baller being in la jolla yeah. no nah, that's 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 really real um and let the folks know what did you study at ucsd so i came in as a physiology slash neuroscience major i kept that major but in my third year i kind of i had a ethnic studies minor and I made it a double major. So I picked up ethnic studies major because I was like, yeah, this is pre-med. Nah, it's, it's not happening. And I'm like, I, I was very interested in like mentoring students, teaching. So I was like, okay, I need like a backup plan and ethnic studies. So I got a double major in physio neuro and then ethnic studies. Um, So I got my money's worth. You feel me? I was there Hell for four yeah. years. I got two degrees. I'm like, oh, I might as well because this is expensive and I don't have any loans. So let me just maximize this. Um, So yeah, that's what I studied. Yeah, that's awesome. I, f I forgot that you've been double majoring in ethnic studies, but that's really dope. Mm -hmm. um, I want to circle back to something that you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, but I think it's a good time to bring this out. You mentioned kind of your multiracial identities, like you're Black, Filipino. And I know at UCSD, you were involved with BSU, you're involved with KP. So talk a little bit about like how your identities played a role in like your college experience and some of your like student involvement and activism. Identity was everything for me, man. Um, I feel like, a, I think a big reason of why I wanted to leave the Bay is just because I felt like I didn't really like know who I was, you know, the whole cliche, like, oh, I'm going to college and figure out who I am. Like, yeah. That's like dead ass. Like how I was feeling, <laughs> you know, because um, I grew up, like I said, I was in like all the smart, smart classes, mm -hmm. AP, honors, accelerated. I was always the only black dude. It was literally like not until my senior year, junior, senior year, there was like one other black dude in my classes. Um, and yeah, like as diverse as like my school was, you know, like I was on the basketball team, team hung out with the black people. My classes I hung out with a lot of like Filipino and like Asian mm -hmm. people. And I just never fully felt like I fit into like either one. You know, I had like my close friends and even like family members telling me that I'm not black enough. Mm -hmm. Um like and when you don't really know a lot about identity, like that, it really like sticks with you. Yeah. You know, like, yo, like this like family member just told me that this person who's not black is blacker than me. Like yeah, that really wild. like deeply like gets into you. And I didn't like know what to do with that, you know? And then I got like my other homies talking about like, oh, Cam, like you're so cool. You're so funny. We love having you around. And part of me, like that didn't always like sit right with me either. Yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I was just like really confused and like who I was. And like I said, like I have like multi-ethnic background and it was just like a weird spot. So when I got to San Diego, um, it was like huge culture shock. It's like 2% black people there, you know, ain't a whole lot of Filipino people there either. It's, you got like a lot of international people. Mm -hmm. um, and like my whole dorm was like mostly like international people and white people. Um, so I didn't 
it took me like a cool minute to kind of click with people. But I think when I first got on campus, um, one of the first people I met was my homie Emmanuel, because I was at the little orientation, like, or the little morning pancake breakfast. And I'm like trying to force myself to just be out there. And I'm literally like looking around. It's like 200 people, ain't one black person in sight. I'm just like, bro. And then I seen out the corner of my eye, Emmanuel walking down the steps. And we had that look that it's like, oh shit, a black person. <laughs> and I was like, I look and I was like, and he came over and we said, what's up? Um, and then, you know, that same weekend, you know, we had the whole week zero dance and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, I was hooping and I was playing basketball with like some Filipino people and they was in KP on KP board. Um, and we was like running, bro. We went like five, six in a row. Um, and so I was just chopping it up and these just cool peeps. And I was like, okay, yeah. like I met a Filipino person. That's cool. And they're like, oh, you should come to this GBM. I'm like, what is, what, the, what is this GBM? What is like, GBM? What, is <laughs> what does that stand for? <laughs> It's like, oh, it's just like a meeting. Just like come through to like CCC. I'm like, where, where is the CCC? All these acronyms. Yeah. So then I think after meeting these people, you know, I found the cross-cultural center. And then I was like, oh, this is where all folks hang out. Like, mm-hmm. I see like, this is kind of what I'm used to. Like, you know, the diversity of this is kind of where it is, even though it's really small. Like, this is where it is. And then I just started trying to get myself involved because I just had to feel like, back home i was feeling yeah. really out of place um it helped me kind of dig into my identity a lot and yeah that's why i really got involved and i feel like i got a lot more involved in kp um because you know people in kp was literally constantly like reaching out to me telling me like hey like you should come to this meeting you should come to this event i'm like i don't know nobody there like it's fine <laughs> like just come through we got you um so those are like the first group that kind of like really you know tried to like bring me in and I felt like oh this feels like kind of similar to like the bay um and I think part of me like I wish I got a lot more involved with like BSU leadership but again the whole identity thing I was just like am I like I literally was thinking stuff like am I black enough to like Mm. be like a board member or something like do I like know enough like I don't know but you know and then once I kind of got over that and it's everyone was like hella cool and it took me a while like literally probably by my like third year and started taking ethnic studies that's when I like really just got comfortable with who I am the complexity of that not really thinking about what other 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 people think and but then first years was rough man and kind of being involved with KP and BSU really kind of grounded me and centered me let alone just trying to deal with UCSD academics (laughs) as a pre-med and the toxic culture that that is in itself um, being involved in these groups really just gave me some sense of purpose and some sense of community that I would not have graduated without. So, yeah, that, that's real. And for the folks who don't know, can you let them know what KP is, what KP stands for? Oh, yeah, it stands for Kaibigan Filipino. It's like the Filipino org on campus, but it's like very, like, I guess, like, kind of like family oriented like people mm-hmm. are really trying to like bring in like whoever just form community like anybody out there who just kind of feels like outside or like left out they're like oh yeah just come kick it a lot of parties and also like a lot of like social justice stuff you know I learned a lot about my heritage that I didn't really know or learn about growing up um but yeah it was fun though and you were a Marshall College student right 
Yeah, bro, we was both in Marshall. I remember yeah, you lived downstairs. I, yeah, I remember the first time I seen you. That was one of like also one of my biggest regrets because there are so many times where I'm like, Cam, like just just go say what's up to him. Like just me just too. Go I was over like, there. just just go downstairs. Just, just go over there. There's only like one other black person. Like, but it, it in that first year it was just tough, you know. Um, but yeah, it's funny how life works. Cause I had that same exact feeling. It's like, dang, like. The, why he got to be downstairs? Like they yeah, could have put like, bro in my room. In here, like it would have been so much easier. But but life always finds a way. Because yeah. I know that you were more involved with KP, and I was more involved to be a shoe. But I knew your love for community. I knew if I needed you to like come do something at high school conference or needed you to volunteer for something, be a shoe, you'd be right there like in an instant. Oh yeah. I was at all of that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna be Leisha, but Vance, I got you. Volunteer, got you, because yeah, cool peeps. So yeah, and I feel like you're one of those dudes that it's like once you like know Cam, it's like, nah, like Cam cool as hell. Cause I think there are some people that was like, oh, like who's Cam? I'm like, oh, you don't know Cam? Like Cam cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, who good old good old UCSD good old college UCSD, experiences, man. Mm. But I appreciate you sharing all that because I think that it's really important for folks to hear stories about like what that transition is like being like kind of like the chosen black scholar in your high school, like you're the black male in your AP classes. Then you go to a school where there's not a lot of people that look like you. And I don't know if you shared this same sentiment, but sometimes I was like, damn, am I like y'all think i'm blacker than i think i'm black like people scared to talk to you on library walk oh yeah scared to approach you it's like yo like it was very weird dynamic it was very weird especially all just the crazy shit that happened at ucsd and all the problematic stuff that we had to like deal with you know like oh man i gotta tell this like one story go for it real quick so this is my first year right this is probably like two months in this like changed my life kicking it with um some of the people that i lived across from because it was like in you know marshall was like the guys dorm girls dorm yeah. right across from each other i vibed more with like the girls dorm because they were just fun like the guys they wasn't really trying to go to nothing so i was like I'm gonna <laughs> My across sweet the hall. yeah um so i'm like kicking it and we like walking down library walk and this one girl was like camp you know, like, you were just, like, hella cool. Like, you're one of, like, the dopest people I've met. And I'm like, oh, thank you. They're like, yeah, like, you're my first Black friend. And I was like... <laughs> I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it fucked me up, bro. I was, I was so confused. I still don't even, like, know, like, how to, like, think about that or feel about that but that's like the type of stuff that you know really just have my mind like all like just crazy because i'm just like what what, yeah. is, what is that like what it just throws you off because it's like it starts as like oh just a regular interaction like oh i'm a cool person mm-hmm. thank you you too and it's like yeah i've never talked to a black person before it's like was this a social experiment? Like that's what I'm saying. I just feel like oh, I don't know, bro. I'm like, am I on like this reality TV show? It's yeah. like someone like really tested me, and they gonna come up to me and be like, "Oh, how did that make you feel?" <laughs> right? Pre- but nah, TikTok. they like really just thought that. I'm just I don't know. A lot of inst- a lot of just interactions like that just throughout like UCSD, where it's just like okay. My go to um because I lived in black housing this first couple years on campus. And 
at the beginning of black housing, there wasn't enough black students interested in black housing to fill the beds or really they didn't advertise it enough for black students to know to fill the beds. But that's another story. But I had an international roommate and I remember one time we was in the kitchen. It was a holiday. I was cooking. He came in to like get some out the fridge or something. And then he stopped and walked over to me by the stove. He was like, hey, Kyler, happy Martin Luther King Day. I looked at him like, <laughs> I was like, what? Powers of the people. <laughs> I was like, I really was sitting there like, is it, was that racist? Like, I was, because uh, <laughs> you don't just wish people happy Martin Luther King Day like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Man. you see the trying experience. Gotta love it. Ah, uh, gotta love it. Uh, but I want to kind of finish our podcast episode talking about your journey to med school. Uh, you talked about like pursuing being pre med. Uh, of course, on natural nonsense, you refer to yourself as the hyphy doc, and that's how I'll always have you in my mind as the hyphy doc. So let's just talk a little bit about like, why did you want to go pre-med? What about med school was attractive to you? And just what that process has been like. It's a very interesting story. I always tell this to my students, but so I came in, I picked my major off of Google, right? Mm. Like physiology, pre-med wasn't even my first choice. It was computer science because on Google, that was the most popular major. Yep. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mom was like, if you get good grades and you push yourself, you can be anything you want. <laughs> You can get into any school you want. Guys, UCSD. And I'm like, now what? Like, well, <laughs> yeah. that's all we got, bro. <laughs> like, we gotta figure, figure it out from here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, let me sign up for computer science. It was impacted. My backup was physiology neuro. I'm like, okay. Like, I like biology. I like physiology. Doing my pre-med major, getting involved with, like, you know, volunteering, going on little excursions, like Ecuador, Doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a pre-med, right? By the time my second year ended, I was just finishing or not even finishing, still getting through retaking like OCHEM, physics. And I'm just like, nah, this ain't it. I, I, nah, they, I don't like science enough to just try to be like going to right. like medicine. And that's when I tried to transition to ethnic studies. And my goal at ethics studies was to be like a teacher, to be a counselor, to be like working higher ed. Came to my senior year. So I kept my pre-med major because I'm like, I didn't do all these crazy classes to not finish the major. So I finished the major still. But my senior year, I had an ethics studies year-long class and had this adult teacher, Black woman. And she's like, come to my office. Everyone has to pick a research topic. So she's like, all right, Cameron, like, what are you trying to research? And I'm like, you know, I'm not really like sure yet. Probably something in like healthcare, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I was pre-med. So I kind of want to see what's what's ethnic studies in that room. Yeah. She's like, well, before we talk about that, like you're going to like med school or nursing school or something. And I'm like, nah. She's like, oh, did you drop your major? I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm finishing the major. She's like, so you're finishing the major and you're not going to go into like medicine? I'm like, no. She's like, how come? I'm like, it's not really for me. She's like, that's fine, but why? I'm like, ah, you know, just, I don't know. She's like, well, we can sit here until you give me an answer because I'm not going to accept that. (laughs) And I literally didn't have an answer for her. And she was like, well, there you go. There's a research question. Go figure out why more Black students aren't trying to go to medicine. Like, y'all, there's so many Black pre-med med med students or pre-med students here on campus. 
and hardly any of y'all go into medicine. Mm. So go figure that out. That question like changed my life, bro. I love so that. the whole senior year, like, um, this is when I start learning about the other side of medicine, the socioeconomic side, the representation side, the in the lack of access and dis- disparities and all this type of stuff, which is a whole bunch of stuff that I never knew about. You know, I had like great healthcare like growing up. I never had to worry about my doctor. I was cool with my doctor. When I'm thinking back, I'm like, I had a black doctor. Like, mm. no wonder, like, I didn't ever have to think about this stuff. And I'm like learning about all this crazy stuff that go on in the world and how lack of black doctors there are. I'm talking to like other students, sending out surveys, like, yo, like you, we was all pre-med. Like, why is it only like three of us? that are still thinking like medicine and just hearing like all oh, the stereotype that like oh like just all the different reasons that people black people had to think about aside from just following their passion you know there's just like too many barriers like I worked in the med school side of campus me and the the custodians was the only black people over there mm. you know I'm like there's a whole pharmacy and med school here and me and the custodians the only black people like that gets into your mind without you thinking about it yeah. I did a whole like internship in a hospital and Palomar Health for one and a half years. One single shift in one and a half years did I see a black doctor. Wow. And I worked at three different hospitals. Like you don't think about it, but it really like messes with you. So I'm like, okay, like now that I understand all these insecurities, now that I actually like finding something interesting in medicine, like, okay, like now I actually feel like I have a purpose. I don't just like like this topic because before I'm like, yeah, I like the topic, but it just don't seem like enough to just like it to go into it because med school is crazy. But once I have kind of found that passion and I found my purpose and I'm like, oh, snap, I can do this. Like, I should do this. You know, like, let me be real myself. Would I want to be a doctor? And I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't letting myself think that until I kind of kind of got over and I wouldn't even say got over like these are still insecurities I have but at least not let them stop me from pursuing my passion and yeah ironically ethnic studies brought me back to medicine and then I graduated and I was like all right I'm gonna take some gap years and try to figure Mm -hmm. this thing out and you know I graduated because I went to South Africa for study abroad I finished that end of 2017 so I came back beginning of 2018 and I was working at Wahoopa upper bound you know working with students and I'm like okay mm-hmm. well I still want to do something I'm interested in so I still got to work with students for two and a half years and then 2020 um end of summer that's when I started med school and now I'm in halfway through my third year um you're so doing it man it's crazy bro yeah you're doing it I'm I'm so proud of you dog like I think that that's part of the reason and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast really for that exact answer you just gave, because I know what it's like, especially working in missions and seeing so many students who are like, Oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be so-and-so. And just thinking about like how few role models there are out there of mm-hmm. like black men being in these specific fields, uh, black women, black trans people being in these specific fields. And I think it's so important to share and hear stories about how people navigated that and to validate some of those feelings. So I think especially working with students now, 
uh, sometimes they're like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. And I'm like, Hey, like I have a friend who's in med school. Like, do you want to go talk to my friend who's in med school? Because even though they're not the doctor owning, owning their own practice yet, they could talk to you about what that experience is like and validate some of those mm-hmm. feelings. So yeah, man, I just, I know throughout the last couple of years, we've both been in grad schools, professional schools and mm-hmm. whatnot. So uh, we send those text messages like, hey, bro, you stressed? Like, yeah, I'm stressed too. Dude, grad we, school grinds, bro. Hey, we, we doing the grind, Ooh. though. And I, I know there's going to be people listening to this podcast that got a lot of inspiration out of what you just said. So I want to take the time to validate and affirm that because, yeah, man, you're you're doing it. I'm happy. I'm happy that you that ethnic studies helped you to come back around to med school because I know that you're in a position where you're going to impact a lot of young people and you already are like just in your day to day. So I just want to take the time to give you those, give you those flowers. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, that's kind of like one of my main goals, like in medicine is to just help increase the representation. And I feel like there's probably so many people that have the same underlying thought processes that I have. And I could easily, if I didn't do this project, if I didn't have that one teacher to really challenge me yeah. and ask me that question and put me on the spot, bro, I wouldn't be in medicine. I would have kind of just wanted, went away from it. And that's not to say that, like, if you're not passionate about it, like, you shouldn't be doing Don't medicine. do it, no. <laughs> but if you don't even have the opportunity to figure out if you're passionate about it because of all these other things we got to think about, then that's different. And, you know, I work with students a lot still. You know, I work for this, like, Imani clinic and stack. I teach. I do a whole curriculum and talk about and try to just inspire, like, these students. I do as many student panels as I can. Like, if anybody out there really trying to, like, figure out like are you passionate about this it's a hefty decision but go to as many panels as you can like go to talk to as many people and anyone listen to this podcast they got no excuse now because now you know somebody you can easily get my email from kyler i'm yeah i'm always talking to people um sending me emails you know especially like black people because that's like my whole purpose so hit me up like i got you and i feel you and i'm not gonna be over here trying to convince you to go into medicine Cause that's something you got to figure out, but we definitely need it. We need it. And I think I have a lot of experience that I can share um, and a lot of just l- wisdom in navigating that. Cause the hardest part is the hardest part really is getting into med school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people, when you a middle schooler, you see in college on TV, you're like college, just seems like this huge, big thing. You go through the college app process, you stress, a lot of pressure. You get in, you blink, and you graduate from college. Like, the hardest part really is, like, getting in. And I feel like I can help people, like, get over that hump. So hit me up, camclark11 at Gmail, camclarkly on social media, camclarkly11, actually. Um, Hit me up. I don't care if I ain't never met you. It literally just be like, hey, I saw you on college pod, or hey, I got your email from somebody and I'm a student and I think I may be interested or I have some questions like say less but I got you you want to hop on zoom you want to hop on a call I will like always make time because these are the things that keep me going in mid school like I love science but I would much rather be talking to like (laughs) someone else man talking to people because it gives me energy it it allows me so don't even think about like oh I don't want to waste your time if I ain't got time, like I'm not giving it like this. Right. Like, you don't gotta think about that. Like that's not gonna be a problem. Like I'm not gonna overexert myself. But 
this is something that I'm always going to make time for, even if it's just like an email thread, you know, so, and it gives me like a lot of hope when people like reach out. So hit me up. Got you. Yeah. Homies, family members, friends, mentees, interested, even slightly remotely interested in medicine. Tell them, hit me up. I got you. And, you know, no promises, but I feel like I can provide some good insight for you. Hey, that's love, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I I mean, just in you saying that, I was thinking of like three different people like that. I got to make sure to check out this podcast episode. They're going to have to check out the podcast episode and listen to it all the way through, though, to get your email. But no, Yeah, that's the, no probably free the advice. best thing that they can do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I'm like, y'all can hit y'all can. I'll respond to your email after you hit the like and subscribe button on college podcast. That's why you my dog, man. I love this. Um. <laughs> I had like three other questions, but you kind of answered them all in that last sentence. So I don't even think I need to answer to or ask you the three. But just in case you have anything else you wanted to add, I uh, talked about <clears throat> whether or not you had uh, any words of advice for people. What does it mean for you to be a role model to other aspiring uh, students, wanting, black students wanting to go to med school? And then how you overcome like hardships or when time gets stressed in med school? I think you covered a lot of that. But if there's anything else you want to add before we close out. Um. I think a good piece of advice that I kind of just learned through experience um, was do things that bring you joy and fulfill your passion, and it will never be a waste of time. On, on the flip side, it'll actually lead you to the things that you're supposed to be doing. Um, and I say that because when I first decided like that I really was about to go through with this med school stuff was until I got back from South Africa. So I'm like, I didn't know nothing. I'm like, okay, first thing I got to do is get a fancy research job. Like that's what everyone talks about. Like at UC San Diego, get, do some research, man. I applied to, I wasn't really trying to do research, but I was like, that's what I Me felt neither. like I had to do. <laughs> you know, I must apply to like 30, 40 jobs, bro. And I think to this day, Maybe three have responded to me with rejections, of course, but I didn't even hear back from majority of them. And I was feeling very inadequate, but I was like, yo, if I'm like, I need a job, like I got to pay my bills and I could easily get a job at Target or something. But I was like, okay, what am I going to do that's actually going to like be interesting? I was like, mm -hmm. F it. and someone, my homie told me, it was like, Cam, just, just do something that you're interested in, like, and then figure out the rest later, because at least you'll, you'll like your life. So I was like, okay. And I found the upward bound job. And I was like, well, that's what I was going to do initially, like mentor students. I'm like, I could be a tutor. I could be a college advisor. I can help people get into college. So I was like, let me do that. I ain't got nothing to do with medicine, but I'm going to just do that. Man, that brought me like so much passion, so much joy. And ironically, in all my med school interviews, they didn't ask about my volunteering. They didn't ask about my abroad trips. They asked about... So you were a, a student advisor at a high school? Tell me about that. That's what everybody wants to learn about. Yeah. And I, the reason is because they can tell that I was passionate about it. People can tell like when you're just doing stuff just to do it. And Absolutely. you're only going to be hurting yourself. Like there's certain things that you got to do. Like, yeah, you need some type of hospital experience at some point to get into med school. You need to get some decent grades at some point, whether you got to retake classes at community college or whatnot. But like, your life should really be dominated by the things that you enjoy and that you're passionate about because 
It's too short, man. Life is too short. There's too Way much. Way too stuff. short. It's crazy stuff going on in the world to like not be like at least trying to pursue a passion. I don't care if you got a volunteer for something, like pursue that. It's gonna benefit you in some way or another. And oftentimes it'll lead you to where you wanna go if you don't really know where you wanna go. Um, like I'm over here applying to med school at the same time my students are applying to college. And I'm like telling my students, like, hey. You got to believe in yourself. Like, yeah. You got to do this and that. You got to work hard. You got to like make sure you study for this SAT. My students talking about, I don't see you studying for the MCAT. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> Hit you with that mirror real quick. Like, okay. They're like, well, are you going to med school? I'm like, I don't know. Like, we'll see. They're like, you always tell us to like be like confident. <laughs> You don't seem too confident. And I'm like, damn, like, y'all really getting on me. But that's what I needed at that time. Like, I really needed these students to kind of, like, give me that passion and give me that confidence and vice versa. Like, it was mutually beneficial. It was a symbiosis. You feel me? Check out the Nat Nonsense pod. You know what I'm saying? You'll learn a little hey, bit about that. But I was ready to plug yeah. it, too, but you got me. I appreciate that. I got you. Um, But, yeah, like just follow just do things that bring you joy like it'll never ever like let you down unless you just get into like some hood rat stuff and you enjoy bringing harm to others like that's not not like that you get what i'm saying you get what yeah, i'm saying yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah okay okay <laughs> uh you have me all inspired then you brought up the hood rat stuff <laughs> hey it's a complex world out here Hey, it's complex as hell, but I think, Cam, I couldn't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I think that you shared a lot of wisdom, a lot of like raw, like lovingness about like just what it means to be a black male in your field and just your journey and how it's not always perfect. And I, like I said, I know people are going to be inspired just by hearing your story. So I just want to thank you once again for taking the time to come to the Banquet Hall podcast. Uh, any last words you want to leave the listeners with before I let you go? um no i guess the last thing i'll say is y'all just like be kind like Mm. be kind to each other and especially be kind to kyler when the lakers don't really do nothing this season because it's going to be hard i knew it was coming it's going to be hard and just show him grace like show him patience show him love he's going to need it you know that's what if y'all if if y'all don't i'm gonna hit you with the draymond green two-piece special Draymond like the Warriors of, do it. Draymond could be a whole, you know, fire street fighter with all the kicks and arms and punches and moves he got. Like he got like a whole combo that you can probably use. So yeah. Uh I I I just felt it in my soul you was about to bring up the Lakers with your last last sentence. I've been trying to be nice to the Warriors all <laughs> podcast. And I was like, oh the, the Laker the Lakers thing is coming, but you know. You can't win them all. I feel like I was up 3-1 with the uh, podcast so far. See, here, we, here we go. Every time. I knew. See, <laughs> you know, man, this is why I don't feel bad because I'm. Mm, mm. Hey, that that could have been a reference to anybody. I don't. I didn't even finish the joke. Uh, but uh, I love you, dog. That's uh, uh, me, man. 
Yeah, man. Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Banquet Hall. Uh, as Cam said, feel free to hit him up or hit me up if you want to get in contact with him. If you know any Black students interested in pursuing a medical profession or just want to learn more about it, want to know what the experience is like, man, hit us up. This is this is why we do the stuff that we do. We want to make sure that we're just building a better future. And these are the faces of it. And this is why we have this podcast. So thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, follow, rate, whatever you got to do to get these numbers up. And we'll catch you all next time. Yep. Appreciate it.